booking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. Here again, I am. My guests are Graham Hancock, Robert Bavall, and Richard Hoagland. The subject is the Sphinx, Giza, in Egypt. Robert Bavall and Graham Hancock were without ceremony booted off Giza recently. They believe the, the opening of the Sphinx has been canceled. Richard Hoagland has new information. We're going to continue with this discussion in a moment. The cast of characters includes the man with the money, uh, Mr. Shore, and, uh, of course, the Egyptian government, and the, uh, uh, the curator and the caretaker of all of that uh, ancient knowledge awaiting to be opened. And one must wonder if all of this perhaps might not boil down to Mr. Hancock, Mr. Bouval, Mr. Hoagland, and other Americans, and Germans and others are simply not going to be welcome when this ancient artifact is opened. We'll find out. Crop circles, alien autopsies, viruses, politics, the supernatural, all this and more is covered in the Art Bell After Dark newsletter. Every month, the latest pictures and lots of information is specially edited for listeners of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell and Dreamland. To subscribe, credit card customers call 1-800-917-4278. That's 1-800-917-4278. A one-year subscription, $39.95. Two years, $74.90. And $109.85 for three years. Price is $5 a year higher in Canada. Call today, 1-800-917-4278. All right, back now uh, to Graham Hancock uh, and Robert Bouval and Richard uh, Richard Hoagland. And you're all back on the air again, uh, uh, gentlemen. Um, it, it, could there be anything to what I just said? In other words, all of this that you have related thus far seems to lead me toward believing, and I'm just an outsider, that um, perhaps those who guard the antiquities want themselves uh, the, the general credit for the opening and don't want any foreigners involved. Could that be? Well, I mean, uh, yes, we're beginning to, to, to sense that uh, something of this, that nature is involved. Uh, certainly with the latest development for a senior Egyptian official who is the director general of the Giza Plateau, to actually state on the air that he has canceled the license uh, of the Florida State University and, and Dr. Shaw, and to hear otherwise from the team itself, that suggests to me that, uh, that uh, they would go to such lengths uh, in Egypt, uh, or at least that that man, Dr. Zahi Awas, would go to such lengths, to uh, to blur and smoke screen the whole issue. So, Robert, I think you put your finger on exactly what's going on. Let me read you a fact that's come in here. When when Art and I do shows like this, you know, we we basically have a country listening to us, and we have a lot of sources out there 
that feed us information either through the Internet, which is up live tonight, or directly through the fax machines here. Let me read you what just came in. And uh, the individual who sent me this wants to remain anonymous, so I'm going to uh, respect those wishes. But the, let, me, let me quote you from the part that I can read. The real reason I am faxing you, my sources, this individual says, in the Foreign Service have been following your work, meaning here at Enterprise, and Hancock et al. very intently. They tell me the story behind the cover-up is twofold. Islamic fundamentalism will possibly bring the Egyptian government down if Western influence appears to be growing, especially concerning sites which may contradict holy knowledge. That's the parallel with the extraordinary debacle going on in Israel right now. Okay? All right. B, this individual says, Jewish leaders also don't want any prior civilizations revealed. C, Christian leaders are the most paranoid about this. The real power structures that try to control much of the planet, knowledge, science, economics, etc., already know and or suspect what is likely in there, just as they strongly suspect that what you are saying is also right on. And I think that particular individual has encapsulated a very important aspect of this, which is we are discussing real knowledge transformation. If, as we all agree, Graham, Robert, Art, me, that whatever is found there will change the paradigm if it is honestly pursued because of good work which has been done by many people over the years to bring us to this point, then that knowledge alone, if handled in an irresponsible manner in some person's perceptions, and I'll come back to that in a minute, could, could destabilize entire governments. Again, look at CNN, what's going on in Israel right as we are speaking. Now, by irresponsible handling, obviously those in power think that those out of power don't know what they're doing. So there's an extraordinary conservatism on the part of governments, on the part of you know, people leading institutions to try to control and maintain control of knowledge, particularly knowledge which has potential for radical transformation. Uh, what I think is happening, and this is now a speculation, I think for Egyptian consumption, there are political statements being made in Egypt, even as we speak, by certain, uh, how should I say, appointed representatives uh, Dr. Hawass would fall into that category, that may not accord strictly with the facts as they are looked at in a broader context. In other words, Western influences, Western technology, license pieces being given and all that. And since you're dealing with a very controlled media environment at home in Egypt, these statements by and large will be taken at face value by the populations to which they are intended. In other words, gentlemen, we are dealing with geopolitics on an international and potentially larger level. Uh, Richard, can I come in a minute? Absolutely. Uh, uh, now that, uh, and I must say that I'm very pleased uh, that uh, we teamed up uh, in, in April and May in England because I've been able to realize that uh, we as, as people are investigating this from the outside, uh, now, uh, have looked upon the situation, uh, uh, m myself with being in Egypt and trying to find out from Dr. Hawass himself and the Egyptian authorities what is going on, 
And thank goodness, with your uh, contact that you've made with uh, Dr. Shore and the Paris Said, at least to know from this end, what is the score? Uh, I, I have a feeling now that you're far more informed than us concerning <laughs> uh, the, the Shore Foundation's uh, work there and, uh, and their collaboration with the Paris Said and the Florida State. But, I mean, what are they hoping to find? I mean, uh, can we tell this to, the, to, to our listeners? I mean, you, the, the well, at this stage. This is what I asked tonight. I specifically asked Boris and, and through him, uh, Joe Shore, what it is that I can say regarding our conversations. And they basically gave me carte blanche to say anything I want. So let me try to, you know, work through this and bring everyone up to speed at the Very same good. time. Yes. With um, all the ears here, Richard. Well... As, as, I, as I told you when I talked to you after my five-hour meeting, what impressed me about Joe Shore is he was a scientist. He had yellow pads. He took copious notes. I shared a lot with him freely. In fact, I opened my conversation with him by saying, I'm not here to get anything. I am here to provide you with information that there has been a high-level, how should I use the term, interest on the part of the United States government in what is under the plateau and in the pyramids at Egypt, and I can prove it from our NASA investigation. And I laid out for him with the you know portable laptop computer that I have with me the same kind of evidence that I have shared with you, Graham, when I sent you those FedEx packets in Washington several weeks ago mm -hmm. and a similar packet to you, Robert, in England several weeks ago. And that evidence was so compelling that Joe Shore immediately set in motion certain discussions involving how we can calibrate the accuracy of what is found under these rooms and in these chambers under the plateau. Excuse me, Richard. Can you, for the sake of the audience, lay that evidence out, what, what you did send? Not without a great deal of background and digression. So, for the time being, the audience will just have to believe that we're we're all in agreement that it's pretty important. In fact, it was so interesting that I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, that you, Robert, and Graham decided to write the three-section uh, article for the Daily Mail, based in part well, on well, the evidence what we provided. The article in the Daily Mail was the issue of uh, possible signs of life in the meteorite from Mars. Uh, indeed, and uh, following the conferences that we had with you in, in, in the UK and England, uh, uh, Richard, uh, I must admit that uh, although we were rather novices on the subject at the time, uh, I have been uh, very, very uh, convinced that there is a lot to investigate here, uh, and that you've done a great service in bringing this to the attention of the public. We're uh, referring to your work on Mars. Uh, now, uh, but could you please carry on with this meeting with, uh, with Dr. Shaw that you've had? I mean, we, they must in five hours have told you what they were looking for, and since they've given you carte blanche, please share it with uh, <laughs> us and the audience. Well, what Dr. Shore, uh, you know, admitted to me, as well as he admitted to you, that is he got very interested in all this because of the Casey prophecies and the astronomical correlations and in fact he he would hope that if he is allowed to proceed without censorship and without uh, fetters and in you know in in a in, in in a kind of a an investigation that we would all approve of that he could potentially confirm a very ancient set of artifacts under the plateau that date back to the magical 10,500 or earlier time frame he was very open uh, 
in, in, in terms of admitting that that's what he hopes might be found, provided he goes through the proper protocols and satisfies an awful lot of political um, uh, problems that have to be met when you're doing anything in Egypt. But this is where we strike a little problem, because uh, when we did uh, suggest uh, that we would uh, inform the public of uh, at least uh, a, uh, an investigation to look for chambers under the, the, the Sphinx, uh, we were told by Dr. Shaw himself in a written fax to us that uh, what he was doing there was to look for chasms and faults. He said he was concerned about tourists falling through holes in the ground and felt that it was necessary to prospect for faults under the Giza Plateau. You have to remember this is a plateau with 15 million tons of pyramids on it, and we don't know of people falling through holes in the ground. But one of the things that he specifically threatened to sue us for was mentioning his connection with the Casey Foundation. So we're very, very amazed to hear what you're telling us, Richard. Why do you think that position was taken? Is it because... Dr. Zahia was, had put pressure on... on I think it has to do with domestic politics in Egypt and the sincere difficulty with Islamic fundamentalism and the things we're seeing going on in Israel. There is a very serious problem. And Robert, you, uh, having lived there, know that this is not... We're not just making this up. There are officials who are concerned for their very lives if there is a perception that discoveries are coming out that contradict, as my faxing friend here says, holy knowledge and perceptions of these as they currently exist. And it's this, this potential for a paradigm shift of stunning proportions that I think has made everyone in the Middle East, particularly around the plateau now, extremely nervous about Western journalists, Western discussions, the idea of openness in the press, the First Amendment. And I think that Dr. Shore, this is now a speculation, I think that he was trying to placate political forces in Egypt when he did not have. Well, well Richard, excuse me, I, I may obviously sound very, very naive here, but I, I believe that with monuments of the importance of these, which are, I repeat, a, a legacy for the whole of mankind, it is important for people not only to say things openly, but also to do things openly. And most important, that they don't say one thing publicly and do another thing privately. Our whole campaign has been for the public to be fully informed about this matter. Well, let me continue with this meeting, because at the meeting, you and Robert came up, because I brought you up very forcefully and very specifically with Rory Milliken as my witness. And what Rory Milliken is the representative of the Canadian government. The Canadian government rep, yes. He was there at the meeting. He was at the meeting, yes. Good. Um, what I said was that I saw myself in a position to provide information I thought would be important for Dr. Shore in his investigations um, because of the high-level connections between this government, the American government, and Egypt that can be proven now through the NASA connection, up to and including certain NASA personnel that were pivotally important. You know, there, there is a, there's a key Egyptian uh, whose name I don't really want to mention a lot tonight, who shows up first Well, let's share that with the public, Richard. Well, because I don't... I think you're referring to Farouk Al-Baz, are you not? Well, I would not have done that, Graham, and I wish oh, you would why not? do I that. We, uh, we, we're Graham, trying to share Graham, this with the public. This is my information, and I will share exactly politically what is important to right, move this right. ball down yeah. the field. Yeah, go on, Richard, go on. Well, now that you have, have mentioned his name, this individual turns out to have a very, very important lineage out of Egypt. His father was a renowned Egyptologist. He goes to university in Europe. 
He then shows up in the United States in the 1960s. He becomes attached to the NASA program, winds up being pivotal in the site selection of the landing sites on the moon and the landing sites of the unmanned spacecraft on Mars. He then leaves NASA and goes into the private university system. In fact, he's at Boston University just down the hall from Robert Schock. He then I understand, sorry, I understand that he founded the Remote uh, Sensing uh, Institute at Boston, didn't he? Yes, yes, he right. did. Right. He then shows up in a 1987 expedition back to Egypt, ostensibly um, looking at the second solar boat pit with Apollo Lunar NASA technology, and a couple of astronauts came with him. He then shows up, the same individual, uh, as being placed in charge of opening the room at the end of the shaft leading out toward the southern sky and Sirius from the Queen's Chamber. You're absolutely right, and this is where we were stunned in that this statement uh, was made in the Egyptian press in March of this year by Dr. Zahi Hawass himself who, as I understand, is a very, very good and personal friend of Dr. Farouk El-Baz. Well, Dr. El-Baz, I was able to demonstrate to Joe Shore, is a pivotal figure connecting the NASA evidence we have of its extraordinary and sustained interest in Egypt, in Egyptian mythology, in the constellations of Osiris, Orion, Sirius, Ursa, uh, I'm sorry, Canis Major, um, Aldebaran, Taurus, uh, that whole Duat region of the sky shows up not only in key NASA documentation relating to the space program, but in terms of personnel connecting Egypt and the American space program. And when I laid all this out to Joe Shore, my reason for doing it was to basically say, look, Joe, we're all playing in a sandbox where there have been lots of other people before us with much higher power and connections and agendas that we are not aware of, be careful. And he has apparently taken that dictum to heart. And one of the things he has done is to invite me to be present. And the other thing he did at my urging was to tender an invitation to you gentlemen to have a private meeting with him. And I know that the substance of that meeting was to discuss how you can be present also when these investigations are pursued on the plateau. I, I would like to, to state immediately in response uh, to that, uh, Richard, that we cannot be party to anything about which the public is not fully informed. That may be naive, it may not be geopolitical, but we think that absolute honesty and openness and public accountability are essential in this matter. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's hold it right there. It's obvious where we're going from there. At least it is to me. And so we'll pick up uh, on that exact point when we come back. I'm Art Bell. This is the CBC Radio Network. Don't forget, we're going to Egypt next year. If you want to be part of it and come along, if you're on the East Coast, call 800-624-7779. Midwest, 800-633-2732. Uh, in the West, 800-848-7120. 9 a.m. Sunday or 8 a.m. Monday morning. We'll be right back.
Talk Radio Network. about what may lie between the Sphinx, uh, between, beneath the Sphinx, and it may have to do with our origins. It is a non-trivial issue. Discussing it, Graham Hancock, Robert Baval in Delaware, and Richard Hoagland in Manhattan. And we'll get back to them in a moment. Select antenna is the best way to improve reception to Egypt, to the pyramids, to the Sphinx, to Jerusalem, to Haifa, to the Greek islands, to Italy, to Pompeii, to the Isle of Capri, is booking quickly, and we would love to have you come along. Come along with us. They will send you free information. You can call Sunday at beginning at 9 a.m. in the morning or Monday morning at 8 o'clock Pacific time, all times Pacific. Here are the numbers. Please make note of them, and don't delay the... Uh, uh, the um, uh, the bookings and the uh, reservations are a fixed number, finite number. So you've got to act early. I urge you. Call. They'll send you free information on this incredible cruise on the uh, MS Mazdam. If you're in the eastern part of the U.S., call 800 800 Six two four seven 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 nine. Midwest call eight hundred six three three two seven three two. If you're on the West Coast, including Alaska and Hawaii, call eight hundred eight four eight seven one two zero. Eight hundred eight four eight seven one two zero. Back now to Graham Hancock, Robert Buval in Delaware, and Richard Hoagland in Manhattan, and I believe that. Uh, uh, Graham, you were just saying you could be no part of, uh, uh, not part of any uh, expedition in which the American public was not fully informed, or the world, really. The public of the world has to be fully informed on, on this matter. We see no excuse, justification, or reason for secrecy, whether on the grounds of geopolitics or any other form of politics. This is about human knowledge. It's the most sacred issue in the world and what has been the tragedy uh, of this site over more than the last 20 years has been the secrecy the the double standards the dishonesty of information that has been presented to the public by many different parties concerned with the Giza necropolis and what robert and i are trying to do is to shed some honest light on this matter and bring the facts before the public and therefore we can't be part of anything which does not involve that and I'm sure uh, Richard, uh, Richard is still here. I'm here, yes, of course yes, I'm here. That, uh, you know, and hence the reason why we, we sided with you in London and Leeds, Richard, is very much your long-standing campaign to have the, uh, the, the matter concerning the Sidonia Enigma, the Mars uh, Monuments issue, brought to the public in an open way. Uh, we, we believe that you and us, 
stand for the same thing. And at this stage, uh, I think that uh, we hope that you support this, this openness. Well, I do uh, see that. I'm very, I'm very, very pleased that uh, that you have this carte blanche uh, uh, statement by Joe Shore to let us know what went on. Uh, let me, let me, let me. Can I mean, carry on with with. I let mean, me make five a couple hours. Of you must have discussed. Right. I mean, let me make a couple of points. Um, one of the things that I was apprehensive of ap uh, concerning conversations that you and I had had in uh, in England is that, it, that there would be some kind of documents that I would be asked to sign or agreements I would be asked to make that would curtail the freedom of inquiry, Graham, that I totally concur should be a part of any investigation of something of this, of this nature. And I am very pleased to report tonight that there have been absolutely zero uh, conditions attached to my involvement, participation, witnessing, presence, broadcasting uh, live from the plateau of whatever I see, or in terms of discussions and looking at evidence prior to the actual opening that we are supposed to be, you know, uh, in, in, in involved in at some level uh, prior to my going or what I do when I get there. And if there had any conditions, if I had been asked to sign documents, for instance, not acknowledging that you know, uh, I've been a strong supporter of John Anthony West. I extraordinarily acknowledge that his his historical perspective and all this, and his his place in history, for having had the tenacity for 15 years to pursue the truth that ultimately wound up with real serious geological redating of the Sphinx itself, with the assistance of Bob Shock and others. And if I've been asked to sign a document, you know, claiming that I don't know John, I obviously wouldn't have signed it. All right, Richard, uh, you, I asked Graham and Robert uh, about John Anthony West, why he was given the big boot. Uh, now let me ask you, why? Well, I I have some personal knowledge here, and, and I don't want to tell tales out of school, so I'm going to frame my words very carefully. And Graham, please allow me to frame my own words, okay? John is... I, I, I can't frame your words for you, Richard. Thank you, thank you. John you your own is... Voice. John, we all know that John is... Has anybody no, don't ever... frame our thoughts for us. You just frame your words, Richard. Has, has anyone here heard of a hair shirt? Do you know what a hair no, no, shirt... No, Just make... You, you, you're going to make an opinion. Please state it. Well, jo John tends to rub people the wrong way sometimes. He is extremely direct at some point sometimes to the point of being overly direct, and at times he is extraordinarily undiplomatic. Well, and I know frankly, from personal knowledge the, the traits that, that we, we actually like about Yeah, we John. really admire that in John, the, open, the uh, openness and the honesty and the fearlessness uh, in defending principle and truth. Well, uh, but in this he, case, what John did was not defend principle and truth. He took a very direct personal shot at Zahi Hawass when Dr. Hawass was down. And without going into great detail, Zai Hawass, because of this, developed an extraordinary personal animosity. This is at the level uh, of, a, of, a, of a food fight at, at you know, some level between John West and Zai Hawass. Personalities. Personality. Extraordinary personality problems occasioned because of both individuals who are very strong-willed. And you, you know them both, right, gentlemen? Yeah, but, the but fact you're, is, you're aware, I, I've shown you the documents. Uh, the fact the is that when that Rubicon was crossed, when John West, for whatever reason, and I know, Robert, you urged him not to do that, you counseled him to be far more diplomatic, when he took those steps, 
he basically, uh, you know, cut himself off by his own choice and own action, because the reaction on the other side, where opinions and, and, and attitudes and emotions are very strongly held in the Middle East, was violent and, and flung back in, in, in his face, so to speak. What I urged him not to do was to uh, take a position with, that would uh, cause a uh, confrontation with Joe Shore at the time. Uh, but John well, he took on Joe Shore after man, this you know, personal uh, thing with Zai Hawass. The point is that, you know, I, can, I cannot agree with what John did, but I can totally support his investigation, his right to history, and his right to be acknowledged as a, as a leader in, in opening this whole situation so that but, we but can I, have this discussion. Uh, Richard, can I, can I just say this? I mean, what you said about Dr. Hawass's attitude to John West is absolutely correct, but he's not the only one who has suffered from this almost paranoid uh, attitude that Hawass has demonstrated uh, uh, concerning all these affairs. We've had the same thing with uh, the German robotic engineer Rudolf Ganterbeck, who has been very much abused by, uh, by Dr. Hawass in certain statements. Well, see, I don't know Gantenbrink. I do know John. Well, and Norton and, asked and, me about and John. Uh, John West was not the only one uh, who was involved with the uh, Sphinx uh, project that took place in 1990. Uh, there's been heavy abuse uh, on the uh, credibility of uh, Robert Schock, for example. Uh, yes. We were, I mean... So John West, in a sense, is one of the persons who has suffered from the, uh, the virulent uh, uh, attacks from Hawass, and now we find ourselves in the same boat. So, yeah, and and f f frankly, these personal games and animosities are not something that anybody should pander to. I think it's important to come back to the basic issue that we're dealing with monuments of extraordinary importance which should not be subjected to such petty and, and vile behavior on the part of the, the authorities responsible for them. I totally agree, Graham, and unfortunately we're dealing with human beings and they sometimes don't live up to their higher principles and aspirations. Well, uh, you're, you're then arguing for real politic on this, are you? No, what I'm arguing Good. for is uh, I, for some reason, and I, I am quite mesmerized by this, have been tendered an invitation to be present when something important may go down. Well, if I that, have been, if that, if I that have accords been... with, with your conscience and your feeling that it is good, then we suggest that you should go. But personally, I will not go under those circumstances. Well, but the, can, but, can, but the circumstances are there are no fetters. But I, I will be able, able to clarify say... why uh, Zahi Hawass is making public statements that this entire project does not exist anymore, whereas Joseph Shaw, according to you, uh, is making statements to you which you have been given carte blanche to broadcast that it is going ahead. This is a very bizarre contradiction, one of many contradictions surrounding <laughs> these monuments, which make it impossible for the public to know exactly what's going on. Well, but the way they're going to know is if one of us or two of us or all of us are there to report. Well, I think well, that it should not be a matter on. for us, actually. It should be a matter for the world's media to be present. I don't think Richard Hoagland is actually enough here. I think that we need the entire media of the world present every instant of this opening, and nothing less will do. Well, I think that there are... I think you should insist taken. on that, actually, Richard, since you Say think again. you have so much influence with Joe Shore. Say again? I think you should insist on the media of the world being present. Well, I think the media are going to be present. I mean, I... I, 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 I must here. say that this contradicts a statement that, uh, of another interview that uh, uh, was given by uh, Zahia Hawass to uh, an American network, an American uh, in, uh, 
TV uh, independent uh, uh, company. Uh, he was interviewed by uh, uh, by what name? Uh, Dave. And he actually said, I mean, he, Dr. Hawass, actually said that he will not allow journalists at the Giza Plateau. But he said he won't allow journalists even into the pyramids, never mind under the Sphinx. So w what's going on, Richard? I mean, I, mean I, I tend to believe that what Joseph Shore is saying is utterly correct. I'm very pleased that he has come out and uh, has uh, expounded to you uh, his intentions and he's decided to, 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 to be totally open about this matter. Uh, we commend this and we're, we're fully behind this. Uh, what we are still puzzled is the contradiction uh, of information uh, at, at the most stunning and extraordinary level coming from Dr. Zahia Was himself on this matter. But can I, return to, can I return to this meeting that you've had with Dr. Shaw? Sorry, there's one. I have to say this. It, uh, it's very important that people understand this, and I want to say this very, very strongly. This cannot be a private party at the Sphinx. This is a public affair, and it must involve the world media to the fullest extent possible. Richard Hoagland alone cannot represent the world public on this issue. Well, Graham, I'm a little puzzled because you say I can't represent it alone, and I'm saying that Dr. Shore wants you to be there, and you say you can't be there. I will be very happy to be there as long as the world's media is present. I don't want to play any part in a private party. All right, let's find out how much media is invited. Uh, Richard, you alluded to me earlier in the day, uh, alluded to the fact that um, somebody representing uh, the Fox uh, network, perhaps. Well, there are several networks which are, uh, how should I say, in negotiation. Okay. So, so I can represent that. So let, me, let, let me say very specifically that... Uh, Boris Saeed asked me tonight to have you call him, all right, at home to discuss your presence, Art, Art Bell, on the plateau, representing the audience that's listening to us across America tonight. All right, so I'm so... What I am seeing... Let, let me interrupt. I'm right? some... What, what I'm I am seeing here is a pattern Richard, of Richard, hold on, Richard. I'm some media, and I'd be very pleased to be there. And uh, we have a very good audience, um, uh, but uh, it is radio, and uh, there needs to be more media there. Television, uh, print journalists, uh, and I think that's... It's important what... to understand that the invitation does have to come from the Egyptian government. Uh, Joe Shore or Boris Said, I'm afraid, are not in position to make invitations on behalf of the government of Egypt. But they can intercede and represent in terms of good offices that individuals, media representatives, institutions, okay. and all that. More, uh, Richard, um, uh, Robert Bovar here, can we be a bit more specific as to what exactly this invitation entails? Uh, you are invited, or, or whoever is invited, to observe what exactly? What, what do you know about this? Well, let me, let me dig out my copy of the facts here. It says, and I will quote, um, well, let me see, where are we here? Okay. This is happy to confirm our invitation to join us on the plateau during the last week in October, the first week of November, 96, when we hope to be opening the first of the underground chambers which the shore expedition has discovered beneath the, the limestone of the Giza Plateau. Then he goes on and he says, as discussed,